The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Good morning. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I am the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I work as an executive advisor, a speaker, a coach, and the author of an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also on faculty of universities in the U.S. and Germany. Today, I'm delighted that our featured guest is Kathleen Starkoff. She's the founder, president, and CEO of Orange Star Consulting. Kathy is a cybersecurity expert, a talented headline speaker, and a senior trusted advisor to CIOs across a wide range of industries, Fortune 500 companies, and the National Science Foundation. Her ability to provide valuable counsel is a result of her 20 years of IT leadership experience in industry-leading organizations, including being the CIO at The Ohio State University, CTO and Risk Manager at Limited Brands, and CTO at Bank One Corporation. Kathy is a recognized leadership fellow and a featured cybersecurity speaker for the National Association of Corporate Directors. So for those returning to our show, Voice America, for me, is an opportunity to help leaders continue to refresh how they lead. So as we look at the volume of change we're facing and we listen to people like Ray Kurzweil who say the amount of technology change in this century will be 20,000 times what it was in the last century. So we went in the last century from basically horse and buggies to people living on space stations. Imagine what our lives will be or those... Most of us won't be alive in 100 years, but imagine the changes we will face in our work lives and what are we doing to position the next generation to pick up something that is well positioned for their success and to give them as much of an improvement in their lives as we've had in ours. So the goal here is really to continue to update how we lead. I talk about are you depreciating as a leader? There was a recent Forbes article focusing on exactly that, that we update our mobile devices often, once a year or every two years, and many leaders do not update their leadership behaviors at the corresponding rate as we do our technology. So the invitation here is how do I update how I actually lead my leadership algorithm to match the rate of technology change and environmental change. So today, Kathy is going to talk about large-scale change. So a key element of successful leadership in this dynamic time is successfully implementing large-scale change. 
Kathy has extensive experience in transforming large IT organizations, as well as advising others on their successful implementation. So hopefully everyone will walk away from this discussion with ideas about how either they can lead successfully or participate in large-scale change successfully. So Kathy, welcome. I'm delighted to have you here. Why don't you give us a little bit more about your background? What, what is interesting? <laughs> How did you choose IT? Well, I, IT chose me. And, and I think, you know, you started out by talking about change. And I think that... Um that I'm a student of change. I'm a zealot of change. Um, mm-hmm. I like cha- I like directing change. I like <laughs> looking back and seeing the change you make. And, mm-hmm. you know, you said something in the introduction about me leading large-scale IT change, and I'm going to take a little issue with that, which is that I've had the uh, benefit of leading change in organizations, and, and typically it's business change yeah. that just happens to have an IT element to it. Um, but over and over again, I'm reminded that IT, the IT part of change is really easy. It's the people change, yeah. which is what your program <laughs> is all about. Which, which is what is, my life is all about. Which is what your life is all about. And, and I do think the rate of change is increasing. And uh, if you don't like change, you're going to like irrelevance less. Um, That's a great so, line. So, so you really need to, to get on board with it. So that, that mm-hmm. is what I've done in um, all the organizations. Mm-hmm. I've been part of big change. I've been part of small change. Um, mm-hmm. But that that's the science that I really like and enjoy. Cool. So if you don't like change, you will like irrelevance less. Yes. I you like can that. quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and so very true, right? Because yeah. as you said, 20,000 uh, times the amount of change, uh, folks have got to feel comfortable with it. And, and I think, uh, you know, what I've done, there's a science to change. So um, we talk about large-scale change. It's project management, and there's a science. But, but there's also um, a great deal of art, and, and grace to project management. So while I, I have absolutely led hundreds, been part mm. of thousands of projects, um, I'm always excited by the next one because it has elements that I recognize that I've done 10 mm-hmm. or 20 years ago, but there's always a new element um, that makes it exciting and, and um, fun to be a part of. So... Y- the the science of change we know right we've read books about it we right. we've written books about it the art you have an interesting balance of being someone who gets stuff done have, having a reputation for get it done mm-hmm. and failure is not an option and yet grace is part of your equation can you say what that looks like for you? Because you must be in your inner process, continually thinking about how do I motivate this one different than that one, encourage, not encourage. <laughs> no, you're you're onto something here. Because I, I when I we're we're talking about project management here, and I think actually that that topic is is poorly named because it's it it would better be named change management or Mm -hmm. management itself and I think management itself when I think about managing a team of a thousand or 300 or 100 it's not management of a group it's management at an individual level Mm -hmm. you have Mm -hmm. to meet a hundred people where they are um, and connect with them in a way that um, 
appreciates who they are, which varies very much from a security specialist or an mm-hmm. operating system specialist to a leader of an organization. And so you've got to meet them as an individual, but you also have to orchestrate them as a collective unit mm-hmm. and, and somehow integrate their diverse personalities, their diverse backgrounds, their diverse interests mm-hmm. um, and personalities into a way that, that delivers mm-hmm. change. So um, so I think management is really the um, uh, kind of the cultural mm-hmm. fabric that mm-hmm. moves it all together. Yeah, I think I call that transformation management because to me, project management is the technical part. Change management is managing the technical part of managing people but what you're pointing to is is and i love the word grace is the grace of leading human beings Mm -hmm. not managing a thing Mm -hmm. but we've got these precious people who all of us show up most of us (laughs) show up wanting to make a difference every day and contribute to an organization and support our families and yet we also come with all of the baggage of I'm not sure I'm good enough, and and how do you meet each of those humans in a way that allows them to feel like they're thriving? So, so that the conversation we had earlier today, how do you create a sense of comfort and safety and excitement, vibrancy for each individual human being? On that individual day, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> because they yeah. may have had child problems. Their kid may have been sick. They may have had a fight with their mm-hmm. spouse. They, mm-hmm. Or they might be on the best day ever. So, yeah. so yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not only diversity in the individual um, and many levels, but it's diversity of the, of the day and hour. Mm-hmm. And, and we all know that we feel different based on any given day. And, and maybe the, the grace of a letting someday slide uh, <laughs> and putting up the putting more pressure on other days is, yeah. is part of the equation as well and then dealing with the aggregate of you let that one slide and you didn't let me slide mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's complicated <laughs> <laughs> well and yet when we look at advanced leadership it is that ability that is learned and practiced and experienced and you must have made a lot of mistakes to get to the place where you now orchestrate it like a symphony conductor yes and 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 by the way practice i think is key (laughs) and 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 it always it doesn't always sound beautiful um i i'm not (laughs) i assume i'm i'm still guilty of of making mistakes but i think um i think self-awareness is key um, so I feel good about my experience. I feel good about my competencies, but I'm not naive enough to think that I'm, I'm done learning and, and recognizing where you're strong and recognizing mm-hmm. where you have work to do, I think is, is a key part of leadership. And, and without it, I'm not optimistic that, that mm-hmm. there's um, longevity in the future. I've just written about self-awareness. So this is something, um, at, at my core right now because it seems like as leaders I've been having an interesting dialogue about is a great leader great because they're self-aware or are they great because they get results and for me it's a both yeah I get yeah, results it's, because it's, I'm aware I think it's, it is and I think being self-aware also um, allows you to be more more human which mm-hmm. encourages the connection with under other human beings 
uh, again, mm-hmm. uh, allowing you to be a better to to connect with people and mm-hmm. and provide leadership. Yeah, if leadership really is one human at a time, even at the top of the house at the C level, you still got a team that you're trying to motivate and encourage and support and. It sounds a little soft to say coming from the heart, but I think there's a, a hardcoreness also that I have the courage to be genuine and honest. I don't have to hide behind a facade, and yet there's an a to a degree. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. We, we we all have some amount of genuineness, and there are some things that should not be shared. Right. Yeah, and I think, you know, at, at, at the sea level, when you have large organizations, it, it is very, very difficult to connect one-on-one with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not that you can't have a cup of coffee with everybody you can, but but how but do you... you then you uh, don't yeah. get the work done. Right, right. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then you're the social Right, but, but I do think the leader then has an obligation to set an example. And, mm-hmm. and if they are an effective leader, will set that example mm-hmm. and will set that culture. And I mm-hmm. think that um, culture is a key um, aspect of, uh, we're talking about project management, we can talk about transformational management, mm-hmm. but setting a culture of, of trust, of uh, confidence, of innovation, um, and set that example and connect with those who are closest to you, and uh, trust, hope, and ensure that that culture is then mm-hmm. um, propagated throughout the organization. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's like a, a, a pebble thrown in the middle of a mm-hmm. pond. The waves uh, just yeah, one em- emanate, emanate from there. And, mm-hmm. and hopefully that's how you really mm-hmm. achieve large-scale transformation. So you do it with your direct leaders and maybe a level or two below. But you're, to your point, you're not having coffee with 3,000 people. Well, you know, as a matter of fact, I use that example because I, I did try to do that uh, when I was a CIO at Ohio State. Actually, once a month, we did a random selection of ah. 10 or 12 uh, individuals from across the university and the organization just to sit down and, and chat about whatever was on their mind hmm. and, and I always looked forward to that because you don't know what you don't know and um, it is surprising how uh, it is surprising what you learn um, and and I uh, really appreciated uh, and enjoyed and was surprised by some of the uh, coffee conversations. So how does an organization achieve sustainable large-scale change? We've talked about working with humans um, and that it really is a human change, not a system. Well, systems are certainly part of it. That, that's, they usually behave as they're told. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I think the first step is to really understand what change you are trying to achieve, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's cultural change, whether it's system change, process mm-hmm. change. It, it's all people change, so let's be mm-hmm. clear on mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think really um, engaging change agents and stakeholders, influential change agents, and, and that's mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. worth a discussion yeah. because a lot of times f- people follow organization charts um, yeah. when trying to implement change, and I think that's helpful, but I uh, also recognize, we also recognize that there are change leaders whose influence may be um, 
uh, independent of their organizational mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. And those can be negative and those can be positive, but but recognize that they are change leaders. So, so getting the stakeholders and change agents all aligned on what the change will be is, is I think, key. And, and that's not in a general sense. I'm a big believer in very specific, um, quantifiable mm-hmm. change metrics, um, both qualitative and quantitative, but very clear outcomes. Mm-hmm. And then putting in a plan um, – uh, and and milestones along the way to to measure progress, mm-hmm. um, with a real focus on the the physical, whether it's technology, whether it's process, but also a focused effort on people. And often in large scale change, well, I would say often in in my experience, actually having a people change and organizational change mm-hmm. person at the top of the mm, um, okay. of this change, making sure that. Um, all aspects of the people uh, change mm-hmm. are met. And and there again, on the people side, I'll, I'll keep going back to the people, but I, I do think it's really important. I think having really strong communications, being clear, open, and honest with where the organization is going from a people mm-hmm. perspective and just putting it out there and putting it out there again and putting it out there again and putting it out there again. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the, the rule of thumb, which I would subscribe to, is seven different times, seven different ways. Just mm-hmm. tell people where they're going um, uh, until uh, until they get used to it. And and that, that sounds like I'm imposing change, and, and I, I, I guess I don't like the way I said that because I think having people be part of defining the change is mm-hmm. really is really critical in defining a good outcome and also bringing folks um, toward mm-hmm. the change. So, so before we go to break, just one, you know, you, we talk about all of the individual humans and yet we all move at a different pace. Mm-hmm. So for some, you are imposing the change. Mm-hmm. For others, you're moving way too slow. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like part of the job of the leader is setting the cadence, getting input where we can, but also being clear on on where we're going. Right. So let's go to break now, and we'll be right back with Kathy Starkoff talking about large-scale change and the sponsorship piece. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. We're with Kathy Starkoff talking about large-scale change. And before the break, we talked about are we pushing people or are we pulling people? So do you want to comment on that? Yeah, it's funny when you said that because I I do think that's um, a mindset and and I've got some principles around (laughs) that in that I do think in any change, you've got 20% of the population who are like, let's go. Mm -hmm. You know, what's taking you so (laughs) long? Why isn't this done already? You've got 20 who say, heck now. I don't care what, you know, you're not, they just dig in their heels and it doesn't matter. And then you've got the majority of folks who I'd say 50, 60% who are like, huh, on the fence. So I I don't think, uh, when when you think about valuable resources and where Mm -hmm. they're invested, um, it's really that majority who's sitting on the fence saying which way the wind is blowing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's worth investing for those folks who are just going to drag and pull mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. excuses and uh, whatever. Um, so I, I think it's a good way to, to think about it mm-hmm. and, and allocate communication resources, training resources, mm-hmm. coaching resources on the majority of folks who um, who are interested in hearing more. Mm-hmm. So So get the early adopters... Give them what they need so they can go do. Yes. And then invest in the next group so that they can be prepared to adopt at the point when it's right. time for them right. to. Right, and, and actually highlight the early adopters. Put mm-hmm. them on top. Let, yeah. them, let, them, yeah. let them be successful um, and, and let those on the fence see, see how good it's going to feel. And my guess is you were an early adopter at a key point in your career that helped propel you forward I, I was always an early adopter <laughs> I was the one who when the new technology came out uh, all of my peers took a step backwards <laughs> and I was like yeah nobody's That's ever cool. done it before let's <laughs> let's go and, and time mm-hmm. and time again uh, I guess I was confident enough that I could figure it out mm-hmm. with the help of smart people um, mm-hmm. that I was the one to step forward and do mm-hmm. the things that, that had never been done before and, and loved doing it. Mm-hmm. Right? I, yeah, I, me too. Yeah. Yep, I was always doing something. In fact, in the show, I talk a lot about experimentation. If we create safe environments, we've got to be experimenting. It, there's, it's not optional. Well, and then you think about new technology or new trends. Uh, it, it's... It is unusual in large-scale change in large large organizations that you would have a failure. You certainly have 
uh, difficulties and <laughs> challenges and setbacks, but, you know, outright failure, um, in my experience, mm-hmm. uh, I have seen so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In my experience, has there, not those are usually litigation. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and for many reasons, you're not. Yeah, in that spot. I'm not knocking on wood, as they say that. <laughs> so actually, that's a great lead into the idea of enterprise risk management. So you held an enterprise risk management role at Limited Brands. That couldn't be insignificant. That's a large, complex enterprise. Well, it, you know, it, it's. It, it actually relates to this large-scale change discussion we've been having, which is we were, at the time, we were implementing um, a very large um, enterprise change to the supply chain. So the SAP implementation. The, it was an SAP implementation, <laughs> as you know. And um, and it represented a lot of risk, like large-scale change often does. Mm-hmm. It is, um, I can't think of an example where we had the, the luxurious position of being able to do large-scale change um, without um, independently of the business working. It's, mm-hmm. it's the analogy of changing the, the tire on the bus mm-hmm. that, yeah. that keeps moving. It's yeah. just a reality. Systems are working, yeah. and, and you have to figure out how to delicately unwind the wires and, and rewire them in a way mm-hmm. that doesn't uh, affect your current uh Business. So, anyway, uh, long story short, risk management was an important part of this large scale change. And um, I implemented processes to coordinate, I think there were four or 500 people on the project team at that time, but but trying to to get the benefit of all that knowledge, all that experience, all that intuition to say, mm-hmm. where are our risk spots mm-hmm. in order to um, call it down and, and really see where the risks mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. Um, as a way not only to manage it from a project perspective, but to keep top leadership of the organization in the know about mm-hmm what could potentially happen, Mm -hmm. what risks we were accepting, what risks we were managing, and and Mm -hmm. so on. Um, As a result, that work, um, it was pretty easy to see how that could be applied at an Mm -hmm. enterprise level, quite independent Mm -hmm. of IT. So, and and actually in in IT implementations, you think about a risk of systems, but it's really, what if our key leaders disappear? What if business oh, yeah. changes what if sap there there are issues with that so so the the processes we use to bring people together mm-hmm. to think about that um, and manage that were were applicable and and mm-hmm. we did so then at the larger you know, level. I worked in a organization doing the change part of a large-scale change the ERP implementation as well and one <clears throat> one of the things we looked at is we turned the system on we hire new people for new jobs that never existed. And on day one, you've got new people, new systems, new processes. What the could go wrong with that? The probability of failure <laughs> and the customer wrong? facing. So, <laughs> so what we did was, same as you, identified the risks. We hired the people. We put them in place. We had them use the old paper process. So day one was a system change, not everything in the enterprise changing. Because otherwise, yeah, we... It, it was predictable and discernible failure right 
of key customers, and yeah. that's not okay. You know, it, it makes me think as we're talking about this, another key aspect of risk management is the acceptance of risk. So, um, you know, again, we're talking at about a people-based situation, mm-hmm. and there is something very um, cathartic or comforting to an individual who recognizes a risk, hey, this might not work, we might mm-hmm. Im- influence mm-hmm. our customers, mm-hmm. to see the risk put on paper mm-hmm. and acknowledged by management as, okay, got it, we're willing to accept this version of the risk or mm-hmm. something, then people feel like, okay, they understand and we're going we're gonna to make this mm-hmm. work. And it, and it takes the burden off their shoulders. You know, so I want to pivot slightly. You ta- we've <clears throat> talked about risk management with ERP implementations and large-scale change. One of the things you are now focusing on is cybersecurity. So my assumption is there's a lot of risk management in that space as well. Yeah, in cybersecurity, and we always get caught up in the words. Right now, that's the buzzword. But mm-hmm. but truly, we've been doing risk management in the IT space um, for decades. Yeah, I mean, since, since the beginning, it really is not new. Mm-hmm. And and cybersecurity is the buzzword, but it really is built on the back of a physical risk, mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Uh, system risk, all the, all the different um, aspects and frameworks that um, have been known to us. Um, and then even as I say that, uh, there is certainly new and different um, threats and prevalence of risk, mm-hmm. um, particularly from international threats that, that we haven't witnessed before. I was talking to a CIO yesterday who mentioned in their enterprise, they've locked down, you can't go on the internet and search something that is hosted on an uh, international site, which is curious because of virtualization that data moves around even though the organization might be domestic. So just the, the technology changes are making this well, interesting. Yeah, I mean, this is the balance that I think makes the CIO job uh, so interesting and challenging. It's all about balance. So the most, mm-hmm. the most secure um, IT environment would be one where you don't have any connection to the outside world mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. you get yeah <laughs> yeah there's some military environments like that <laughs> well we yeah. hope um <laughs> uh, actually I've, I've worked in them so okay, I, okay. Uh, yeah good um but of course that's not uh, you've got to balance that with yeah. the uh, access to your customers access to suppliers mm-hmm. uh and so on so it's it's a delicate balance well and those are quite unique environments doing top secret yeah, Stop. right. And and I do think, uh, getting back to the CIO's job, I think this, again, is where the principles of enterprise risk management can be very helpful. Um, mm-hmm. And the board, boards and top leadership can mm-hmm. play an important role in understanding, uh, establishing, understanding and communicating their risk um, appetite yes. um, in, in mm-hmm. terms of mm-hmm. of. You know, how far do you want, how, how innovative do you want to be? Mm-hmm. How open do you want to be? How secure do you want to be? Um, those all have trade-off discussions that, that um, there should be risk discussions, risk innovation trade-off discussions at the board level um, that would involve the CIO mm-hmm. in order to establish um, the terms by which we're mm-hmm. going to operate. I think that's really important. It's interesting. I attended a lecture that looked at leadership success across, uh, compared to a scale of risk tolerance. 
So they looked at the personal investing habits of leaders and mm. so, so do you do you do high risk investing personally? Uh, and if so, you're likely to be more risky in the organization. So if as a group of leaders, we all have a different risk profile and we're not um, coming together around those discussions, we could have a CIO who's either more risk tolerant and going off in one direction or less risk tolerant and right. and holding to the line and the yeah the board may not be in alignment with that right and and i think you know every perspective has its Mm-hmm. It's goods and it's bads, mm-hmm. but I think the collective agreement, the collective wisdom is what's important. It's important to have those conversations mm-hmm. and to establish a, a common agreement. Or you could see where a CIO could get crossways with... Going either direction. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I, I like the definition of culture that is making conscious our agreements. Mm-hmm. So if we have a culture of risk tolerance, then we should be able to quantify that. Right. If we have a culture of security, we should... And both, to your point, are appropriate to the enterprise. Right. And, and Well, and I think they vary by industry, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, if, if you're in the security business, one would assume you, you, <laughs> you have some. But, yeah. but even in the security business, I think uh, mm-hmm. Symantec has been in the news recently. Um, hmm. in, innovations in technology are important, and yet um, they're, a, they're a security um, uh, software company, so right. so they are on both sides yeah. of that. They have to be the the pillar of security, and yet they have to bring innovation to the industry. Interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of people with control systems. Mm-hmm. So if I've got a plant that can blow up and remove a large part of the city, I should be pretty secure. Well, and that so we'll go we'll go down that path if you'd like because yeah. um, I think that's an interesting um, situation where um, uh, early on I was in uh, manufacturing and mm-hmm. so much of the manufacturing floor has intelligence built into equipment that is probably 10, 20 years old. It's not unusual for large mm-hmm. capital mm-hmm. Uh, manufacturing um, components to be of that age, and and you started out talking about uh, intelligence moving it at a year or two refresh. So mm-hmm. it's highly unlikely that physical plants mm-hmm. have the ability to be as secure mm-hmm. as as necessary. So I think that represents some unusual mm-hmm. challenges for um, folks in the utilities and manufacturing areas. Actually, we have a friend who ran a company who did that, focused on that, mm-hmm. that, <laughs> that we've interviewed. <laughs> so how do I put a layer on top of equipment that, yeah, a nuclear power plant's going to be old? Right, right. Because right, I don't think we're building them right now. So, but we're running them. How do we put the, the security layer on top so that the, ha- the, the kid in pick whatever country doesn't find it entertaining to see if they can move the controls on a right, right, nuclear right, plant without right. any understanding of what damage they're Right, and, and you know that software, that, that logic of, of putting um, software on top of the networks to understand what's normal traffic and to differentiate what's unusual traffic mm-hmm. is, is, um, is a real important area in software security. So I know you and I have similar (laughs) interests, and I I don't want to take us too far down the path. Hopefully this is interesting to our listeners. Um, Why does large-scale change take so long? 
it seems like we're just you're just unplugging a system and putting something new in. Oh uh. no no no! <laughs> Don't bait me! Don't bait me! Well, for the reasons we discuss, it's not about technology. I will say, time and time again, um, technology is the easy part yeah. of of what we do. It's it's the people change, mm-hmm. and I do think you know there's a reputation of it taking long because it does. It does <laughs> because because people need to understand the changes coming. Mm-hmm. They need to be trained on it. They need to feel comfortable with it. But I would also say I'm a big um, believer in taking, um, if it's mega change you're trying to accomplish, uh, breaking it into pieces so that there is progress um, there's progress along the way that can be celebrated, and okay. people can can take a minute to look back and see how far we've come, and let that celebration mm-hmm. provide momentum for the future uh, change. That's a great point. The the celebration of small wins, which may be why many of us in our personal changes have road marks. Right, that I I want to see progress. It's yes. hard to yes change my behavior and do stuff that's uncomfortable and see no no acknowledgement from others right i'm i am risking approval from my boss and my peers i'm making the risk of looking silly I want to get acknowledgement that I, I did it right. Yeah, I, I think that. And, and self-acknowledgement mm-hmm. to turn uh-huh. around and say, wow, I did that. That felt good. Mm-hmm. Now now I look up the mountain and go, okay, I, th- <laughs> I think I can do the, this last part. Well, it's funny. I, I just started writing for Forbes, and my first article goes in, and it sits. And I'm waiting for somebody to say, this is not stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I've written a bunch of books, and I'm still worried about a little short article not sounding stupid. I think we all have those areas of of it's new, and I want to be successful. Yeah, I think successful people do. And I think (laughs) most people feel the same way you Mm -hmm. do. And I think those who don't... um, That's an indicator. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so on that note, we're going to get a break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today we are with Kathy Starkoff talking about large-scale change. And one of the things that you have mentioned is the distinction between a technology change and a business change where technology enables the business to drive business outcomes. So can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, I, I think they're one and the same. It's hard for me really to separate those. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's a role for people who focus just on technology. Um, I don't think it's a CIO role. And I think hmm. more uh, more and more in um, large organizations, um, your head has got to be around the business. Technology organization doesn't exist to do cool things in technology. It, it <laughs> Too is bad. A, yeah, it's a side benefit. Um, it, it's there to support the business. Yeah. So so when you think about large-scale change, it's always what what are the results that we're going to deliver to mm-hmm. the business. And, and actually, as I work with CIOs now in my consulting business, um, when I hear someone talk about implementing a system change and not correlating some sort of business benefit, mm-hmm. whether it's increased revenue, better customer service, um, better use of resources, whatever it is, I, I cringe um, because it's it's just a lost opportunity. It's almost mm-hmm. religion to me. If you're going to go through the... Massive amount of work. Massive amount of work, business impact of a system change mm-hmm. to not engage the business in a way that excites them and motivates them and wants mm-hmm. them to work with you in order for them to realize the benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what, what are you doing? And, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, there's a large turnover rate among CIOs. Um, I think partly because if you get too system focused, um, the mm-hmm. business... Um, loses enthusiasm. You know, it's interesting. When I started doing this work, I, you know, excited. I'm the change management person and we're doing this really cool thing and I've come in and I didn't have the history with the organization that had tried 50 changes and people were disenfranchised and angry. So I show up all excited about this is going to be different. <laughs> and, and how, did that, how did that work for you, Marie? Not so well. <laughs> they would just either stare at me blankly and some people were actually hostile. Which surprised me because I I was, you know, young and eager and not expecting hostility. How could they not be excited about this cool stuff? And it it speaks to your point of we've been through change after change after change. And the boss has been fired or they quit or they found something better or they got promoted. And the employees are stuck with 
in many cases, failed implementations. Right, right. And you get back to the, uh, we'll go back to the beginning of the conversation, which is at an individual basis, if I am the customer service rep or, or working in accounting, I have a job to do and I have mm-hmm. eight hours of work to do. So you coming in with, you know, excitement about change, <laughs> which go away. Which, which in the short term almost certainly adds work yeah. to to my plate. Mm-hmm. Um, you can imagine um, how they are less than enthusiastic <laughs> to see you. And in some cases, in the long term, it adds work, right? That there will be one job that is harder because the overall is somebody else's can have less work. Well, can I? Yeah. I, I have a different uh, different yeah. view of that. I mean, I think what technology does, if you think about it after, over the last 20 or 30 years, I mean, people are worried about robots taking over and automation creeping in. That has been going on since technology was available. Um, I don't, what I think it does do is it takes off the, the lowest common denominator of work and escalates it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the best example is in the HR side of the house where, where now they have uh, machines that you know will read a paper resume or mm-hmm. um, you know and pull out mm-hmm. key points and that sort of stuff. So what it's doing is allowing an HR professional to operate at a higher level. Mm-hmm. The same on the on the accounting side of the mm-hmm. house. So I think you will see over time technology will continue to um, improve intelligence mm-hmm. um, uh, in whatever form mm-hmm. you want to imagine will will increase. Um, I, I still love Hal from Space, <laughs> Space Odyssey 2001, that very smart computer. Um, but I think what it will do is force the human interface to, um, to connect disparate points mm-hmm. to analyze at a at a more complex level. Um, so I don't think of that work as being harder. I think of it as being much more interesting. I started my career in finance. So I will date myself. We I started on a green screen um, mainframe, and then we got... Uh, PCs and they were in a shared room and we would you know go in and do our analysis and what I learned is the more computer power we had the more analyses I had to that's run right. I, that's I, right I didn't get to that go was home a early. good thing I hope that's a good there, thing there was no going home early it was or on time it just meant we did to your point more in-depth interesting analysis and hopefully we made better decisions that's right because the more information you mm-hmm. have you can ask the more complex question mm-hmm. And then when you have the answer to that, you can ask some more complex. Yeah. So hopefully you are using that for for better decision making. Yeah, I, what I learned all those many years ago, I still take. Maybe not as much spreadsheet stuff, but the love of analysis continued to the point of it changes the composition of our work. Yes. Hours of work never went away, <laughs> in my case. So let's go to, as we're wrapping up, you have moved progressively through your career. You've been in front of a lot of technology changes. I've heard experimentation. I've heard everyone else stepped back and I <laughs> stepped forward. It, what is it that has allowed you to navigate to a, an extremely senior level in large, complex organizations consistently? If I were an emerging leader listening, what would you want me to to be thinking about? Or even a senior leader who wants to stay there, what, what should I be thinking about? 
Well, I, I, I'm not sure that I have the secret sauce. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm, I'm self-aware to know that I'm always um, uh, looking for the next success and, okay. and, and uh, wanting to do more. But I, I think, you know, the, the I would suggest that a people focus um staying people focused and Mm -hmm. that's we've talked a lot about within your organization but i think it's Mm -hmm. um between organizations Mm -hmm. uh up the organization um being aware being aware of yourself being aware of others being sensitive Mm -hmm. to others I also think, you know, the the business results just being incessant on what value am I yeah. creating yeah. today? What value am I creating this week? When I look back a year uh-huh. from now, uh-huh. what value uh-huh. will I be creating? Um, I also think courageous. Interesting. Okay. Courageous. Um, I, I think you've got to, um, especially in the technology side, you've, you've got to be thinking the risk side, and I think you have to be thinking about innovation. Um uh, we, we've talked about how technology is is raising the game in terms mm-hmm. of analysis uh-huh. and information decision making. By the way, as we do that in any one of our companies, all the other companies are doing it as well. Mm-hmm. So um, the rate of change is also going to be affecting who, who, uh, which which businesses are successful. The ecosystem. The ecosystem, and yeah. that's that's not. By the way, U.S. based anymore. Yeah. It's it's absolutely global. So, the technology leader has to be working hand in hand with the business leaders. Um, are we in the right business? Uh, will new technology open doors to uh-huh. us uh-huh. from an efficiency perspective? From a completely new business paradigm? Uh-huh. Uh, if you think about Uber, um, yeah, uh, completely knocked the socks off uh, transformation uh-huh. or. Uh, transportation industry so so i would say courageous innovation uh sense of humor mm-hmm. uh stay human based and results orientation <laughs> all those things <laughs> rolled into list. one um does that make sense it does and and so i want to jump to the idea of an executive ally mm-hmm. so this is a term you've coined in working with cios and the, the reason i i bring it up is Having worked as a coach or an executive advisor, there's great value in having someone who's not me help me be aware that that I'll often ask a question and people are surprised, but I live in my own head and I see it through however people respond to me, some of whom aren't going to tell me the truth. Right, right. So that uh, the executive ally... um uh, service that Orange Star provides actually came out of my own need and my own recognition as a CIO. Um, some nights you sit in your office, everybody's gone, it's dark <laughs> outside, and and you're thinking about issues, and you know if you engage um, with peers, they have their own um, dog in the in the in the fight. Uh-huh. Uh, folks who work for you, your boss, and uh, to when when uh, I have a, a very understanding husband, but he doesn't understand the complexities of the role. So the idea to have a, a C, another CIO mm-hmm. who can engage readily around the issues and the mm-hmm. politics and the environment and, and so on to advise mm-hmm. um, without skin in the game, yeah. without uh, investment in the outcome, mm-hmm. um, seemed like a valuable um, service 
proposal. And, and mm-hmm. so that's what I'm doing now. And I love doing it. And uh, CIOs who I work with uh, find value in it. I'm just thinking of a couple examples. Courageous but too courageous means I drive off the cliff, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, humble but too humble means I'm mm-hmm. invisible. Balance. Yeah. It's all about balance. And we often don't see it in ourselves, right? So, so you are giving, having those conversations with someone because you've been there. Right, and right. Because you, you, because you're still there with clients all right. the time. Right, right. And you know, and every situation's different. Every environment's different. Um, you know, just like we talked about individuals mm-hmm. uh, bringing their own uh, situation to the game. Every industry is different, and every company within that industry, and mm-hmm. the timing is different. So, so all these are um, variables in the in the equation. So let's go to wrap up. A couple things I've heard that stand out. Drive business value. Yes. Technology is the enabler. Every large-scale change is the sum of process change, which we know. Humans, individual and the alignment of all, and the technology. And I need to every day be balancing, managing the change from a project perspective managing it from a communication perspective, from a human perspective, focusing on the early adopters and the people who are going to make the shift, not give much focus to the the ones who are going to stand in the way. I just need to make sure they're not in the way to inhibit the rest of us. And this idea of the grace and courage that goes with being the one who will stand up and say, I'm willing to take on this change that's that's probably somewhat risky because they all are there's a possibility of failure we don't usually acknowledge that but stuff goes wrong so my core competency is that courage and the ability to fix stuff that through our conversations what i know is you step forward and when something comes up you fix it right whether it's a human thing or a technology thing there's a there's a workaround, there's a solution. It means you're staying up late at night trying to figure it out. Sometimes that's emotionally exhausting because it's your own and the, the organization's success. So that idea of courage and grace really stand out to me from this conversation. So what people see is someone who gets stuff done. What I'm hearing is the humanness of getting stuff done as an effective leader who cares about her people has a very different tone than just the the regimentation of lockstep deliver results. So thank you for being here. Hopefully our listeners have heard something that you can take away from Kathy. One is the courage to step in on the tough days. I'm Maureen Metcalf. Please contact me. I would love to hear your comments on info at metcalf-associates.com. You can contact Voice America. We're on Facebook, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Let us know what you liked or didn't like. And if you have questions for Kathy, reach out and let me know. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us this week. 
Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.